Hello everyone, welcome back to Biliteracy Now. I'm your host Diana, and on today's episode I'm going to be discussing teaching for transfer with a very special guest. Hi everyone, welcome back. As always, you can follow me on Instagram at ByLiteracyNow. You can visit my blog, ByLiteracyNow.com, purchase my products on Teachers Pay Teachers. You can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. So today I have a very special guest joining us. Say hi. Hello, it's me, Joe, (laughs) Deanna's husband. Yes, um, he is my husband. He's joining us today because he is actually an educator himself. Um, I just want to apologize ahead of time that you're going to hear some background noise because our dog is loose in the house. So you might hear him come and go um, as we're recording. Okay, so tell us about yourself, Joe. Well, I'm a fourth grade teacher. I've been teaching fourth grade for four years, two of which were self-contained. And as any of you other fellow fourth grade teachers know in Texas, that means three star tests a year. Yikes. Before that... um, even like five years before that, I've always been in elementary schools. I tutored and I was a lecturer during college. Um, some some pre-K, some music, but mostly fourth grade. So I'm mostly familiar with the fourth grade curriculum in Texas. Great. So today we're going to be discussing the term teaching from transfer. So before we start talking about that, can you just um, maybe quickly define what you consider it to be being a teacher in the state of Texas uh, in a grade level that is tested? Yeah, I mean, on the whole, teaching for transfer, whenever you look at it, it just looks like another education buzzword, but it's actually a very defined thing. Whenever you teach something to a student during a mini lesson or something, it's very elementary schoolish. Like today we're going to learn about conjunctions, and you teach conjunctions. But the idea of teaching for transfer is teaching the content to the student, but ensuring that they're going to be able to answer the question on the test whenever it really counts. And that's going to be the whole point of our content talk today is that whenever you teach your students the content it has to be in the way that it's going to be assessed in order for you to realize the teaching for transfer sort of uh, ethos so teaching for transfer is just that it's just teaching your students how to answer the questions um, whenever it comes time for assessment but you don't want to overkill and and sort of like give them a packet you know so you kind of want to make sure that you do it when it's organic when it feels right so again they're taking the skills that they use every day during their reading time and they're transferring those skills over to what a question on an assessment looks like so let's talk about how to prepare as a teacher um, to teach for transfer because that's something that's I know I get a lot of questions about that so how would you prepare let's say um, teach to teach for transfer well, let's talk about like um, like reading and writing, ELA for fourth grade. ELA, SLA, because I'm an ESL teacher. Whenever I look at how I'm going to implement Teach for Transfer, I have to know, I have to do, I have to backwards plan. You have to know what test you're preparing for, and you have to know how the questions are asked on the test. So if we take, for instance, transition words in writing, okay? And this is going to be your basic, um, first I went here, then I went there, after, the, after that I went here, these sorts of words. During the mini lesson, I'm going to teach my students, okay, these are transition words. I'm going to introduce them a little bit here at a time so they're not flooded. But I have to understand that even though I'm teaching them transition words by name like that, on the test, especially the star test, it's never asking that way. It's never saying, okay, student, which of these words are transition words? It's never going to ask that. And so if all I ever show my students is this group of words are transition words, I'm, I'm not teaching for transfer. 
I'm teaching them, yes. And maybe if you went up to them and said, okay, little Johnny, is this a transition word? Yeah, that they would say, yeah. And technically they know the content, but they don't know it in the way that it's gonna be asked on the test, which is very important. And let me just, a little caveat here. I, I, I'm not a drill and kill person. Um, I, I'm not sure if I agree with standardized testing, but it's a reality that we all must face. Everybody has to be subject to a standardized test at the end of the year. Right. So you might as well just start doing it now <laughs> because it's coming no matter what. So let's talk about transition words though. On the test, like on the STAR test, for example, last year or two years ago, there was a question that assessed transition words, but the way they asked it was very abstract. And it really opened my eyes to how I was supposed to implement teaching for transfer the following year. And the question went something like this. It said, what word or what phrase did the, did the writer use in order to help the reader move from one paragraph to the next? Now, on the whole, this idea of like moving whenever you're reading, is, it sounds very strange. And especially to a nine-year-old child who's only heard transition word, transition word, first, next, last, all year. They say, move? I don't know what that is. So... Because I know that they're going to ask questions in that way, I then have the task of teaching my students to attack that question in the way it ought to be. Because at this point, if I never showed them those looks, if I never said, oh yeah, the reader moves from one paragraph to the next and transition words help you do that, they'll be lost in that question. So now the task I have is how am I going to show them all of these different looks, all of these diff different ways of looking at the question while still teaching my lessons, while still pulling small group, and then prioritizing which sort of ideas I'm going to be teaching them or which content areas I'm going to be teaching them. And so how I prepare for it, just to answer your question in a long, long way, is I first know how the question is going to be asked, and then I start planning how I'm going to attack that, how I'm going to teach it to my students. Right. And then also keeping in mind that the way um, they're asking, like, let's say, transition words or phrases, it's it's more than just one way. There's like several ways that they ask it. So like I know one year they had a question like, um, which transition word could best follow sentence seven or something like that? Or which transition word um, could go at the beginning of paragraph three? Yes, and, 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 and so some of it is, I, I don't want to say guessing, but if you, if you know that they're going to pull this trick, okay, because it's kind of you versus the test writers. If you know they're going to pull, pull, uh, pull that trick on you, if they're going to... Give them different words that maybe you probably are not going to use in lessons. Maybe you shouldn't use in lessons. They have to understand that, or at least as, as, me as an educator understand, the idea of moving from one paragraph to the next. I need to then coach that into some of my reading lessons. That when, as we read text, we are moving our eyes right over the text. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then also synonyms, like a synonym for transition. right? And so a lot of lessons are coached into that. And so, it, and if I know ahead of time that these test writers are going to be trying to sort of get my students in that way, I'm going to prepare them. I want to be one step ahead of them. And, you know, we only have eight hours in a day. Trust me. The, 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 the challenge isn't going to be, um, oh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to teach. It's going to be, do I have enough time to teach it? And that's going to be the challenge whenever it comes to this. You have to be wildly efficient with, uh, with, with, with your, with your planning right and then your lessons to um to um to teach for transfer exactly again making use of the time that you do have in the classroom to be able to sort of cover the overall idea um and the concept of the actual test like yeah i have an example too that so 
Be, oh, oh, the reason I'm stuck on this question is because it really caught me off guard. And I know a lot of them, and just being honest as an educator, a lot of my students probably got that question wrong, even though they were rock stars at transition words. Because I didn't anticipate the use of those sort of words, this mm -hmm. abstract word. Mm -hmm. So then the next year, I was planning on it, because I know I took that ill. I know that I got hit with that. So the next year, I had to plan. Okay, I'm not going to just teach transition words during writing class. And the way I did it sounds complicated, but it's, it's really not. Like, especially if you're a new teacher, and like I said, this is just another buzzword, and you're like, oh my god, I have so many buzzwords floating around in my brain. How can I possibly start planning? Trust me, it's extremely easy. So the next year I found myself, as we were doing the read aloud, any time, especially if, the, if, the, if all the students have bought into the book and we're having a good time during the read aloud, any time they use the transition word successfully, I showed it to them on the projector. And say, now look how Kate DiCamillo, which is an author that we read this year, look how Kate, Kate DiCamillo um, wrote this paragraph. Isn't it easier for us as readers to move from this idea to the next? Why do you think she did that? And I started asking these questions that sort of marry this idea of reading and writing. Because whenever we're writing in my class, we're writing for readers. You see, we're writing to make it easier for the reader. And whenever we're reading, we're reading to see, okay, how did this writer write this and how and what can I take from my own writing so these things are really married here and in doing so whenever you do like sort of this like cross content teaching you're being really efficient with your time mm -hmm. and you're flooding them with all of this information if you do this you know 100 days in a row by the end of the 100 days and trust me whenever I say because I teach ESL and 70% of my one of my classes this year is, is special ed and I don't pull any punches whenever 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 we're doing it I do the exact same thing and trust me whenever I say, if you do it long enough and you do it with fidelity and authenticity, and if you're doing it specifically to teach for transfer, these students will access the content. Right. Students usually rise to the occasion whenever you um, sort of give them this expectation of what you want them Absolutely. to do. So I think it's very important to you know show your students that they are capable of, of being successful, um, regardless of anything else outside of the classroom. Okay, so... I guess some tips for the teachers um, to uh, sort of take away from this is is knowing um, knowing the test. So one of the things that I, I would recommend that you guys do if you're a third grade, fourth grade, or fifth grade teacher, um, especially in Texas, but even if you're not in Texas, if you're in another state and um, and you do Common Core standards, um, there's yeah, I would recommend that you get a copy of an old test and then sit down and take it, like take it home with you, look over it, and take it as if you were a student and then sort of look at the questions how they're being asked because it's not just about like them knowing the skill it's really about them it's kind of like a math problem you kind of have to know like what is this question asking me to do and then what do I have to do to find this information so remembering to do that is very important and I would definitely recommend doing that I actually did that this year with my teachers I gave them a copy of their test um, and they took it and they were like, wow, these are really hard questions and they're very tricky and they're always designed to make the student fail. Unfortunately, that's kind of how they're made. If you understand that each of these tests, whether it be a reading test, writing test or math test, social studies, these are all reading tests. They're all reading tests because mm -hmm. the way the question is asked, deciphering what they're asking is a skill in and of itself. Right. And so this, this is going to be the big challenge and I think putting yourself in that position and taking the test and really just always having the test on hand now mm -hmm. you're, you're not te you're not teaching to the test right okay yeah. um, like during my mini lessons um, the, the test is nowhere to be found mm -hmm. I use the test for like interventions 
for warm-ups, this sort of thing. And I don't use a test. I'll see how it's worded, and then I'll ask a question in a similar mm-hmm. uh, syntax. Right, yeah. You see? Like, uh, you're, you're, you're not teaching to the test. Trust me whenever I say. Like, if you... Mm-hmm. Your, guys are, your guys are just meeting me. But I, I'm not a, I'm not a teach-for-the-test, uh, drill-and-kill kind of person. Right. And so if, if you have it on hand to use during small group, to use during, um, during warm-up, you're, you're doing teach-for-transfer for sure. But mm-hmm. you have to understand that each of these tests is a reading test. Because if they cannot understand the question, they're not going to be able to demonstrate their knowledge of the content. And this, right. and this is math, writing, no matter uh, any test. It's mm-hmm. all reading tests, which is why you do not want to you, you do not want to negate these other skills, these ancillary skills, during your read aloud and during your reading lessons. You mm-hmm. see, you want to be able to start marrying these things so that they understand. Okay, if I'm going into a math test, reading is just as important as showing my math work. You see. Mm-hmm. And then also keeping in mind that reading stamina is super, super important because for the first time this year, um, our campus is actually hosting fifth grade because before we only had um, K through four and now we have one through five in our campus, on our campus. And I took the fifth grade reading test because I wanted to see, you know, what the kids had to deal with whenever, you know, May came around. And wow, it is extremely long and very frustrating and I'm an adult and I can read and I read every single passage but after every passage I felt drained and tired and I thought wow if I'm feeling that way as an adult who has reading stamina can you imagine how 10 year olds are going to feel you know whenever they take the test so always remembering that reading is so important so your students need to be reading every day you know in the classroom to be able to prepare for this test because it's i mean it's a marathon you know it's not like a sprint it's a marathon for sure it's absolutely a marathon and 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 teaching for transfer doesn't just go with the content but also the um like how they take the test which which is what's where stamina comes into play now the curriculum that we use in the district that i'm at now um we do uh, a block of reading where all the students are reading non-stop for about 50 to 55 minutes a day mm-hmm. Which sounds like a tall order, right? If you know your students, you're like, my student's not going to sit still for 55 minutes. And to be honest, the first week, they don't. Mm-hmm. They sit there, they fiddle. Um, I have to be very strict with my classroom management. But I kid you not, if you look at any of their any of my students' books now, we just did like our uh, end, of, end of the first semester uh, clear out. So we put all the books back in the library. Every book, whether it be Diary of a Wimpy Kid or a long chapter book, had so many sticky note jots in it. Because they are married to that book for an hour a day at least. Mm-hmm. And you know you're doing right if at the end of your read aloud you hear like a sort of, okay, kids, now we're done. Oh. When they, when, when, <laughs> whenever they sort of lament the end of the read aloud. Because mm-hmm. then once you instill that during the read aloud, once you show that the reading can be fun, they're going to do it. Because first of all, they're going to be at their desk for 50 to 55 minutes reading quietly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm pulling small group and we're, we're doing things. But, but everybody is reading for at least that, that amount of time. Mm-hmm. And at first, I'm going to be honest, I thought maybe it was a waste of time. I thought, oh, well, I could be coaching into some reading skills here. But because as you're as they're doing this, they're doing a number of things. They're going to be demonstrating um, the reading skills that you taught throughout the week. They're going to be building that stamina, good Lord, which is the most important thing. And they're going to, actually, this is the most important thing. They're going to develop a love for reading. Right, which is the most important thing for you like for you as a teacher to sort of instill that love for reading for your students because aside from the test just like in general in life um, they should want to be you know really good readers because when they get to college guess what they're gonna have a lot of reading to do so I think it's very important for you to foster that love of, of wanting to read even if it's a boring old test right yeah a hundred percent because 
And look, you're all you're all elementary school teachers for a reason, just like I am. Okay, I act a fool during the read aloud. I do all the silly voices. Um, I ask all the hard questions there. I pick good books to read. Um, I get everybody engaged. This is the time where you can like really spread your wings in terms of as a, in terms of an elementary school teacher. And I don't I don't separate reading during the read aloud from reading on a test. And this is what I mean by that. On the reading test. I make them jot as well. Mm-hmm. I make them, as you're reading the test, mm-hmm. you're not reading because you're, you're looking for questions. You're reading because you love reading. Mm-hmm. And I can tell this by how much you're jotting on it. That's what I mean. If we're, if we're, if we're reading like a nonfiction um, article, and it's about, I don't know, camels or cows or something that nobody really cares about in fourth grade, I'm looking, at the first thing I'm looking for, I'm not looking for them to identify the picture. I'm looking for the jots. I'm looking for a proof that they've been reading the passage and that they're responding to it. And, and to be honest, I don't even care if they're reading, if they're reading about cows and they, and they highlight a section and go, good Lord, I do not care about cows at all. Um, <laughs> w- w- why did the author write it in this way? Even if they're writing that, that tells me that they're engaged in the writing. And, and to be reading. honest, I, I, yeah. I, they get points for that. They don't mm-hmm. get retracted points for that. So no matter what they're reading, if the expectation is sky high that, that I need to have evidence that you are not enjoying what you're reading, because I don't care if you enjoy it. I care if you're present during the reading. Right. Because, like I said, all of these tests are reading tests. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I don't mean to repeat it, but to be honest, it was, and, and, if, and if you already know this, good for you. But to be honest, whenever somebody told me told me this three or four years ago, it was like it was like I just started teaching, because I was I was very I was I was um, self contained at the time, and I was really okay. Forty five minutes for writing here, an hour for reading there, and mm-hmm. we're not we're not going to mix them, and I was wrong. Okay, we had to take a little break to put the dog away because he started barking. <laughs> At a neighbor, I'm, I'm assuming. Okay, let's talk quickly about, or let's go back to what you said about, um, I don't care if you like it or not, you're going to read it. But rather, whenever they're picking out books, they can pick whichever books that they want to read because they're going to enjoy it. But on the test, they're never going to enjoy those passages. So students have to be exposed to the idea that sometimes you're going to have to read an article or a passage or a selection that you don't care at all about yeah. but they have to do it so just keep that in mind that of course in the classroom they have free will and, and, and a good way to start training them is like um one of my students uh last year he i don't know i don't know how he ended up with this book but in his book bag he had a book about like princesses right and this, and this, he's a 10 year old uh, a 10 year old boy and so he likes football and Fortnite and everything boy and he had it there and i was like it's okay read it and he goes no i don't like this i want to read something else I'm like, how about this? I'll make you a deal. If you can read 30 pages and then write to me uh, during our writing about reading section about why you dislike it, like what about it specifically you dislike, I'll let you pick something else. Mm-hmm. Well, this dude got like 60 pages in and I could tell by the way he was writing that he started to enjoy it. <laughs> but uh, but he did what I asked and I allowed him to switch a different book. But to be honest, if, if that happened again today, I would, just, I would make him read it because some of the funniest things about being an elementary school teacher is hearing is is, is like getting them to uh to to express themselves right whether it be good or bad i mean during our poetry unit we had to write poetry um about about school it was like a, a thing other the prompt was about school anything about school he could write a poem about school using any of the skills that we learned and a student was like well i don't like school i was like well, what don't you like about school well i don't like have to sit here all day okay write a poem about that so the poem is about how he hated sitting at his desk all day, and it was hilarious, mm-hmm. and it was great. He used every single skill I taught him. So just be, 
the, the whole point of this is just because we're elementary school teachers and we're teaching to the content, sometimes they're going to not like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's up to us to steer even that dislike about what they're doing into an opportunity to, to show mastery of the content. Because, right. and, and this is where you get to be very resourceful and then you get to like sort of uh, be very personal in your classroom is how you attack that. I mean, because uh, some some teachers are very uh, very positive about this. Oh, it's okay. I mean, I'm sure you like something about school. And then they're even more, no, I don't I like nothing about school, right? Mm-hmm. And, but, if, but if you stop them in their tracks, because what they're trying to do is not work, and say, okay, I want you to write a poem about how much you dislike the lunch, the the lunch here in the cafeteria. Then it's like they have nowhere else to run. And so if you start, if you start training them now, whenever they get to um, a passage on the star that they dislike, they've been there, done that, dude. You right, know, exactly. Like, like, like they're like, oh, I, don't, I dislike it, but I could still write about how I dislike it. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. if they're explaining to you how they dislike it, they're doing all the t- all all the work, and they can answer the questions because the answers the the, the question the questions are not. Um, are not uh, contingent on them liking the reading. And a lot of times, the nonfiction, they don't like it. Even though I think Texas, the last couple of years, have done, has done a really good job of, of, uh, of writing passages that students like. About, oh, for about, nonfiction. Yeah, about mm-hmm. like Minecraft and Diary of a Wimpy Kid, those mm-hmm. sorts of things. And if you're in Texas and you teach reading, uh, keep in mind that nonfiction is 60% of the test. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of nonfiction um, articles or passages in the test versus fiction. They usually just have like one fiction and then yeah, they move yeah. on to nonfiction and then biography and poetry sometimes yeah, poetry, and drama, drama sometimes yeah. for fourth grade. For third grade, it's really about nonfiction, which um, nonfiction, um, fiction, biography and poetry. And that one alternates. And then fourth grade, it's all of those things plus drama and then and paired passage. And then fifth grade is a lot of paired passages. And then every single genre that I just mentioned right now yeah. for fifth grade. And, so, and, and keep, keep in mind, these skills are cross content, cross grade level. I mean, yeah. um, the idea of teaching for transfer, this whole, whole sort of big idea we're talking about today, it's not it's not native to just fourth grade. Right. You can it's do it. Every... You're really 11th grade. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The, the, the idea of knowing how that it's going to be asked on the test, and that's yeah. the extent to which you're preparing for the test. Because if you're teaching the content, you're teaching how it's going to be asked, mm-hmm. you've done the work. And I know how overwhelming it could be. Because there's a, a million different apps and a million different resources that we all go to trainings for and nobody ever remembers. Um, and it's re- just, Yeah, it's just a matter of having that test in front of you and yeah. looking at how it's asked and what's being included in the test and noticing the patterns that you know will definitely get you into the teaching for transfer mode. You know, focus on the 2018 and 2017 yeah. star and that can kind of give you an idea, okay, okay, like how is this question asked? So again, take the test as if you were a student know the questions that are tested um, and how they're asked and then you know make sure that you backwards plan that way so don't try to like force uh, teaching for transfer where it doesn't go like find a day where today i'm teaching context clues i'm going to go ahead and insert this context clues type of question you know you know in my mini lesson that's a perfect way for you to teach for transfer so just it's something as simple as that. And you can do it once a week, twice a week, even three times a week if you'd like. But you don't have to do it as often. As, as, as long as you're seeing it. But like, yeah, like take like um, and, and, and trust me whenever I say I know some of you listening, you're, you're freaking out. You're saying, oh, well, I don't do this at all. It, it, it doesn't matter because January is a new month. Okay. Yes. Like uh, the, the we know everybody like we're all in the same boat here. I can tell you right now that most people don't start planning for the start until January. Yes, so so so, <laughs> so you're not behind. <laughs> exactly, but when January comes, it's time to start running. 
Yeah. And so, and so if you haven't been doing it, but once a week or once a month, or maybe you did it once this year after a training and you feel some type of way about it and you did it and then you haven't done it since start. So start January, mm-hmm. uh, write the, write the questions yourself. Just see how they're asked. Mm-hmm. Make a plan, sort of um, yeah. a plan that works best for your students and for your grade level. Make sure that you have a plan in place for when you're going to teach for transfer uh, throughout the week. And maybe have like a countdown, like a 30-day or 40-day countdown to the star um, to kind of give you like um, sort of this sense of urgency as you're teaching. What you don't want to do is wait until the last, like until the very last week and then your students have never even seen what a star test looks like. So yeah. make sure that you expose them to that now versus later because that's the reality that we we know we live in right now. It's It's unfortunate, but it's... You know, it's true. We are judged often on how our students perform on a star test or, or any, you know, yeah. state test. It's especially here in Texas, we're judged on in fourth grade math and reading. Uh, and uh, writing. Uh, and well, Yeah, yeah, and writing for sure. Writing, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a, a significant amount. And so right. there's a tremendous amount of pressure on us as teachers. So really, teaching for transfer is helping everybody involved. Exactly. It's helping you don't the want school. The, I mean, you don't want the students, students to do bad on the test either, you yeah. know, because... Yes, it's true. We don't really like it and we don't really believe in it. But guess what? That's what they have to take in May or in April. So for third grade, it's all about reading and math. For fourth grade, it's reading, math, and writing. And for fifth grade, it's reading and math and And science. science, It's unfortunate, but yes, you have to teach it for the sake of you, you know, as a teacher and then also for your students because you want them to do well. I know I do. Yeah, but but, but, but it's it's easy. It's it's an easy thing. Mm -hmm. it's, It's weird because it's one of those things that's, it's easy to be overwhelmed by it. Like, I definitely sympathize with people who are overwhelmed by it. Mm-hmm. But it really is quite easy to start teaching it and requires little planning. It's yeah. be- and, and, and the thing that always got me was that there was a million different resources and applications that I could use to mine the data and then plan accordingly. But really, all you need is a journal and the star test and mm-hmm. then test results from practice Right, tests. exactly. And then you can just see, okay, mm-hmm. 60% well, of my students need help with compare and contrast. Or uh, or main idea and supporting details. I look to see how it's um, how it's tested on the star, and then I start planning. Reteaching it. Yeah, I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't even need to open a open Google Chrome. I could just do it on my journal. In your and, journal. And, and, and then mm-hmm. start planning like that. Mm-hmm. And starting in January, is not the end of the world. Like it's like not. it's it's it's, not. it's in it really it's not even better late than never at that point it's um it's a good time it's a great time to start mm-hmm. I told my students I was like y'all guys have a great Christmas get a lot of sleep you know don't stay up too late don't play too much too many video games and be prepared because in January comes it's freakout time we are we are mm-hmm. running to fifth grade mm-hmm. we are running sprinting to fifth grade and so they know and so have that sort of um, ethos in your classroom as well and if you apply these skills for teaching to transfer. What, you're going to do great. You're going to do fine. Exactly. And it's easy. Right. Especially for, I think, people like you and I, because I know we talked about this like maybe the last day before the break is um, how some teachers really thrive off like that pressure, you know, yeah. like that crunch time. I think I'm definitely one of those people who, you know, I think I work harder and do my best work whenever I have, whenever I have like this pressure, like, you know, lingering over me versus uh, like some people, um, like they don't like the pressure, you know, and that's okay. Like if you don't like the pressure, um, but for me, I actually enjoy it because it makes me feel like there's like a finish line at the end of all of this kind of gets me excited. Yeah. And, 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 and like you said earlier, it is a marathon. Mm-hmm. And so in a marathon, you don't judge a marathon off of, um, 10 meters. So if you had a bad week and if, 
if scores didn't go up, yeah. guess what? That's one step in a marathon. Mm-hmm. And so the, the as long as you have this mentality of, okay, the next week I'm going to try something different, the next year I'm going to implement these other teaching for transfer skills, then you're doing it. You're doing mm-hmm. the good work. Mm-hmm. Every but, year, and, getting better. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, I've had I've had st- a group of students where I sincerely feel like I did the best I could. Mm-hmm. And maybe we didn't do the best in terms of, my, of how I wanted to do. Right. But I know for a fact that even if they were with a master teacher, the results would have been the same. Mm-hmm. And that's because I'm doing this. Um, I have this mentality of, okay, maybe today didn't go great, but tomorrow's a new day. And it's always like that mm-hmm. up until the end of the year, you know, regardless of star. But just trust me whenever I say I understand because I, I work with, there's a lot of different personalities in, in elementary schools. And I met good friends of mine who... Who, when the star test comes, they start breaking. Mm-hmm. They start breaking. And how would you describe yourself in terms of that? Oh yeah. Do you enjoy well, the pressure, or do you... yes, I do. I do. Yeah. I, I, I don't. I can fade the pressure pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe almost to my detriment sometimes because <laughs> I can be. <laughs> He's super calm, and I'm super like you know anxiety driven. Like, oh my gosh, we have ten more days. He's like, it's fine. It's gonna be okay. Yeah. Um. So yeah, definitely to like a fault. Yes. Yeah, so... He's like very weirdly calm sometimes and i'm like you need to be a little more stressed out like me right now <laughs> but and and that, that that that's why i say that i understand i understand if if um if the the looming test is mm-hmm. casting a shadow on your mood and you're feeling some type of way about it i get it i get it trust mm-hmm. me i get it but as long as you marry this idea of continually treat teaching for transfer of teaching mm-hmm. so that the students can access the content on the test, mm-hmm. which is way different and a lot of times more more rigorous, but sometimes it's just tricky. Mm-hmm. If if you're doing that, you're doing the work that you should be doing. Right. Like well, uh, one of my great friends last year it was her second year teaching, and um and uh, she was basically every day saying, oh, I have no idea how to, uh, these kids are not getting the content. They're uh, during the during the mini lesson they're getting it, then on the test they're not. I, I knew the answer to her problem before she finished her, her sentence. And I was like, okay, but I, I've seen you teach, and your read-alouds are awesome. They're great. But you're not teaching. Um, you're, you're, you're not giving them exposure to the mm-hmm. phrasing of mm-hmm. the test. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it was like a light bulb went off in her head. And to be honest, at the end of the year, um, uh, she caught up to how my class was doing <laughs> because she, she started doing it. You know when she started doing it? Mid-January. Right. So, so it's, it's it's never too late. Yeah. And, and and trust me when I say, look, she she's my friend, and if she's listening, I'm sorry. But she 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 freaked out. But mm-hmm. at the end, she she got it she together. Was fine. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and, tr- and and we're teachers. We freak out. It's like the whole world against us. Trust me. I get. It. I'm a teacher. I understand. But if you do this, you're you're golden. You should you're be okay. Fine. What you want to shy away from though is just uh, you know like drill and kill like you don't want to put a big old packet of selections of passages um, in front of your students' faces because that's that's not going to help them. So you have to make sure that you're doing it in a way that feels organic and it feels normal to the mini lesson. Like what were you teaching today? And this feels great to add in here. But you don't want to just be like, okay, guys, you know, here's another passage. Let's work on it. So please. Don't feel like you have to do that, and you, actually, you shouldn't do that. I actually don't recommend that you do that. But if you have, if you have to do it because maybe like your school requires it, then of course do it. But just shy away from that um, idea that in January it's all packets, packets, packets. I mean, if you want to, I guess do packets, do it within the next. I mean, do it like with a twenty day countdown or something like that. Yeah. But don't do it 
in January because you still want to teach them. They're still kids and they're still going to, you know, uh, want to learn normally. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and remember, you're trying to get them to love reading. Mm-hmm. When somebody tells me, okay, Joe, I need you to read all of this now and I need you to answer many questions. You know what that does? That makes me hate reading. Yeah. And, and, and if it's going to counter them loving reading, cause like I said, because remember, that is the base skill. The love of reading is what's going to, the, 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 the common denominator to all success in these tests is the love of reading. Mm-hmm. Is reading level. Reading level is the biggest the, the, the determining factor on how well students do on any of these standardized tests in Texas. Mm-hmm. It really is. If they mine the data, the, the science speaks for itself. So if you're going to do something that's going to kill their love of reading, and it, it, like if you have to do it, don't do it in one day. And do it in the way the NSS, like a countdown or a game or a mm-hmm. scavenger hunt in the classroom, right? Where they go to different walls and they're doing a passage each time because they're moving. You got to add some sort of element of novelty to it. These are kids. And if you're bored, they're going to be bored. You have to do something that's going to foster and help grow their love of reading. This is what's going to mm-hmm. help them on the test. And this doesn't mean it's going to make every student an A student. No, we, right. we all know that's not, that's not the case. But especially like in my first class, where like I said, 70% of them are labeled SPED. They're going to grow. They're going to grow more than one grade level. Are they all going to get commended on the star? No. Are they all going to do as best as they can because of me? Absolutely. Okay. So let's recap what we talked about today. So teaching for transfer, you guys know what that is already. So make sure that you take the time to take the test. Um, know how the questions are being asked on the test. Um, try to do some backwards planning and make sure that you implement it into your daily lessons in an organic fashion. And you only have to do it maybe once or twice a week. Um, shy away from packets, but definitely expose them to that. Um, maybe as you get closer to the test, like you know, within like a 20-day countdown or something like that. Keeping in mind that for third grade, uh, the the goal for the reading level that you want to get to by the end of the year is maybe a level P or a Q. If the student can read at that reading level, then they're going to be very successful on the star. For fourth grade, it's a level T. Mm-hmm. Um, so if they get to that level by the end of the year, just in time for the star, then they should be pretty successful on the star. And then for fifth grade, it's a W or an X, I believe. Um, so keep those... Um, you know, reading levels in mind when you're preparing for the star test. Again, focus on that stamina. Make sure that you as a teacher understand what the test looks like because that's how you're going to expose your students to that. Don't stress about it. And if you are a star testing or any type of, you know, state test teacher, good luck. You're going to do great and your students will do great as well. You're, you, you are going to do great. And to be honest, if you are the kind of teacher who um shops at the Anna store or who specifically looks looks out for a teaching podcast you're already in like the 99th percentile teachers and so if you're mm-hmm. there already you need to own it that okay i'm the kind of teacher who wants to get better who's looking at all this kind of different media to get better and so now all you have to do is just start doing it you, right. you're you're all gonna do great thank you so much for listening today i hope you enjoyed this episode with my husband and myself And as always, my hope is that you leave inspired.